Well, we're continuing our series this morning as we are looking at the life and events surrounding uh, King David. And we've been in 1 Samuel, we've moved on to 2 Samuel. Uh, last week we found uh, that David uh, is finally living in a time of peace in his life, peace in uh, his family. Uh, when everything seemed to be going smoothly, it was going smoothly for him. Uh, and I believe that the story that we're looking at today is one of the most powerful messages in the Bible. I shared with you a few weeks ago, and, and I say this a lot. I say, you know what, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I have a lot of favorite stories. Probably my favorite story from the story of David was the one a few weeks ago to where he was in the cave and King Saul came in to use the bathroom. And, and if you weren't here for that, that was just a messy situation altogether. But uh, that's probably my favorite story as far as stories about David go. This is my favorite story about grace in the Bible other than the story of Jesus Christ. And I think you'll understand it a little better as we work our way through it this morning. Uh, we talk a lot about grace in the church. We sing a lot of songs about grace in the church. But today I want us to ask ourselves specifically, what is grace? What is grace? And if you've been in church very long at all, especially if you were raised in church, maybe you were in a situation in a Sunday school class and somebody asked the question and said, what is grace? Probably the most popular response to that is this, grace is the unmerited favor of God. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to pretend like we're not all church folks today, all right? And that we don't understand the language, and we don't understand what the unmerited favor of God is. And I want us to just kind of break down uh, for uh, regular people exactly what that means. And speaking of regular people, I, I just want to tell you, I want, want to make one more plug for our Wednesday night Bible studies. I'm telling you, right now is probably my, my favorite, uh, I don't know, favorite thing that has happened in our church in a long, long time is what is happening on Wednesday nights. Because there are, are little groups of people all over our facility here that are having in-depth Bible studies, talking about the Word of God, asking questions about the Word of God. And right now for adults, we're offering two of the best Bible study classes that I believe we've ever offered since I've been your pastor. And one of those is being taught by Hayden, and he teaches it in here. And it's uh, Romans for normal people. And I love that because Romans is a tough one. When he said he was going to teach Romans, I was like, good luck with that. I did that once, right? Uh, but anyway, it's been so good. And so this morning, I want to kind of talk about grace for normal people, okay? What that means for every single one of us today, it, it kind of breaks down like this. Grace is a favor. Does everybody know what a favor is? Anybody ever done you a favor or maybe you've done a favor for someone else or someone comes and asks you, hey, would you do me a favor? Well, this is what grace is. Grace is a favor that has been granted to someone who does not deserve it. And they have not earned it, and they can never repay it. 
This morning, I think we're going to see a beautiful picture of that definition of grace right there. Grace is a favor that has been granted someone who doesn't deserve it, hasn't earned it, and they can never repay it. And this, this is what I love about the Bible. This is what I love uh, about God's Word because the Bible is not just a book of rules and regulations, right? It's not just a, a, a manual that we use in the church that tells us what to do and what not to do. God's Word reflects to us and teaches us about the heart of God, about the heart of our Creator, the, the heart of our Savior, and it teaches us that, but not only does it teach us the heart of God, but as we read through Scripture, we begin to learn about the hearts of people who love God, the hearts of people who are living their lives for God, and they're following Him, and they're desperate for a relationship for Him, and we see their hearts and what it looks like to live a life like that in Scripture. Today's story of, uh, of grace is about a man named Mephibosheth. And I appreciate Carla Hillian reading that Scripture for us this morning because there's some challenging names in that passage of Scripture. And Mephibosheth is one of those. And that's a very easy word to mess up, okay? So just laying the groundwork there. For There's no telling what I'm going to say. Uh, I thought about maybe shortening it shortening that name, but there's not really a good way to shorten Mephibosheth. I uh, thought about Phoebe or Sheth or what, I don't know, but we're going with Mephibosheth today, and I'm going to butcher it at some point in time. But this is actually a story that we began to see unfold. If you've been here with us for the summer, we begin to see this story unfold several weeks ago when we learned that David had a best friend by the name of Jonathan. Any of y'all remember that story? David had a best friend when he was younger, a young man named Jonathan. But there was just one little hitch to this friendship. You see, Jonathan was the son of King Saul. And King Saul was extremely jealous of David. He tried on many occasions to try to kill David, to try to take him out, to eliminate him. He saw David as a threat because David had been anointed as a child to be the next king of Israel. And so King Saul knows the only way that David can ever become king is if King Saul is eliminated, right? And so you have all this going on, but David has this relationship with his son, this relationship with Jonathan, and it was a very strong friendship. They had a unique bond between the two of them. And then uh, we saw that one day the Philistine army uh, was uh, uh, coming in to try to take over Israel, and, and they did, but they were coming in, they were fighting Israel. They came upon King Saul's sons, and they killed them. They killed his sons, and, and they killed, uh, and that included Saul's son, Jonathan, who was David's best friend. King Saul, we learned, also was wounded in that battle, and he ended up taking his own life by uh, committing suicide. Now, a lot has transpired between then and where we are at right now. But David is the king. He's gone from the cave, uh, the bathroom cave. He's gone from there uh, to the castle. 
He's living in the palace. He's the king uh, of Israel. He's in a good place. There's no threats to his life. There's no threat to the nation of Israel at this time. And David, we saw last week, is sitting there in the castle, and he's reflecting on God's goodness. You ever do that? Just sit and reflect on how good God has been, how faithful God has been, how God kept his promises, how God answered that prayer. And that's kind of where uh, David is at right here. And as you read the events, you get this sense that he's sitting around and he's just reminiscing about the things that God has done in his life. And one of those things, one of those people was this very special friend named Jonathan. So that brings us to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I want to pick it up. We're not going to read it all. We've already heard it once today, but I'm going to look at some of this and uh, so I think we can find three things to, to uh, really emphasize from this passage and this story today. But in verse 1, David asked, he asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. David's in this time of quiet and he's thinking back to the relationships that he had and probably the things that he and Jonathan had done. And he's sad because he's missing his best friend. And I think a lot of us can probably relate to David right here in this moment. We have that one friend, maybe. Maybe we're blessed to even have a couple people in our life that we just really bond with, uh, that we really connect with. Uh, I I was uh, talking to uh, Larry Dickens earlier, and we've been praying for his good friend, uh, Jim Hill, who was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and and, uh, Larry and Ramona asked the church to pray, and uh, we sent out a prayer request to our prayer warriors, and and people began to pray for Jim, and he had surgery on Thursday, and it was a, a, a good, it was a successful surgery. They were able to remove the majority of the brain tumor, and Larry and Ramona had a chance to talk to him on the phone, and, and uh, Larry said, just thank the people for their prayers, and tears welled up in his eyes as he talked about how good a friend that Jim had been to him over the years. I think we all can relate. We all have that that one really, really close friend, maybe even, even two. And David is the king. He's a leader now. And, and you know, he's got a lot of people in his life. Uh, he, he's, he's got a lot of different kinds of relationships. And he's got servants that are at his beck and call. But he's longing for his friend. He's longing for that deep and personal relationship Again, and I, I, I can't help but to relate to what's going on here with David because there are many days that I'm reminded of a very, very close friend uh, that I had that died way too young. And I think back to the things that we did, and uh, I think about uh, every time I'm watching a, a Razorback football game or basketball game or baseball game that he and I would, if we weren't watching it together, we were definitely texting back and forth playing armchair quarterback, complaining about the coach or whoever it may be. But I can, I can relate to where David is because as a leader, some of you have experienced this if you've ever been in a, a leadership role or pres- 
position. Uh, you have a lot of relationships, but they're just kind of surface level uh, relationships. But and for whatever reason, you very, uh, very rarely uh, get close, really close to someone that you do life with and you connect and and bond with and. This is where David is at, and I believe it's what he's experiencing here. And so David asked, he says, you know, are there any relatives left? Uh, are there any relatives of, of Saul uh, or, or Jonathan that are, are still alive that uh, I could show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? And verse 2 continues, it says, Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. And they called him to appear and come before David. And the king said to him, are, are you Ziba, your servant? He replied, yes. The king asked him, is, is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king. He said, well, there is this one. There is still a son of Jonathan. And he's crippled in both feet. He is lame. There is still a son of Jonathan, and he is lame in both feet. Ziba's choice of words here kind of implies to us that the son's handicap is pretty severe and that it probably would disqualify him from anything that the king had in mind doing or uh, participating in. But but here's the deal, and it's the first thing I think that we learn here today in this story. You know, David was called by God a man after God's own heart. And I think we see here today that a person after God's own heart shows loving kindness. They're tenderhearted. They will show loving kindness. David is here thinking about this. Who could he show some loving kindness to? And, and not his own kind of kindness, but if you notice, if you have your Bibles there in verse 3, he, he says God's kindness. Is there someone that I can show God's kindness to? Because God has been so good to me. God has been so faithful to me. He has shown me kindness. Is there anyone that I can show this kind of kindness to? The kind of kindness that I've experienced from God. Friends, I, I don't need to remind you, but I want to remind you today that our God, our Father, our Savior, He is kind. He, he's kind. He, God, is, God is good. Our God is compassionate. Our God is tender-hearted. Our God extends mercy and He extends grace. And a man or a woman after God's own heart will look like their father. David had the characteristics of his father, God. His heart was tender and it was kind. And we see it here. And, and, and here's grace. David's response is beautiful in verse 4. He doesn't say, how bad is he crippled? He, he doesn't say, you know, well, what happened to him? What, why, why is he the way that he is? David quickly says these words, where is he? Where is he? 
He, he, he doesn't ask how bad is he. he. He doesn't ask how bad the handicap is or how he got that way. He just says, where is he? Friends, I, I think this is the second thing that we can learn about someone who, uh, ha, a person after God's own heart, and it's this. They will initiate relationships in order to show loving kindness. They will initiate relationships with other people. A person, a man, a woman, a, a, a student, someone after God's own heart will try to develop re- relationships. That they will, they will try to arrange things so that they can build relationship with someone else for no other reason than just to show them kindness, just to show them goodness, just to show them that there is good in this world and someone does want to be your friend, someone does want to show you kindness, someone does want to be with you and be around you and have a relationship with you. Friends, that's grace. That is grace. That's the way that grace responds Listen, it's extremely fortunate for you and I today. I want you to think about it. It's fortunate for you and me today that grace is not picky. Amen? (laughs) Grace is not picky. Grace doesn't look for the right kind of people. Grace doesn't look for the right color of people. Grace doesn't look for the the right social uh, class of people or the, the right economic class of people. Grace doesn't do that. Grace doesn't look for that. Grace is doing something for someone who does not deserve it, who has not earned it, and they can never repay it. So what we see here is this. We see this strong and famous king, and and now he's obviously wealthy, living in this palace. We see King David, who does what? He stoops down and reaches out to someone who is not strong. Where is he? He asked. Where is he? The crippled son, don't miss this. The crippled son did not reach out to David. David reached out to the crippled man. And friends, that's just like God. God is the initiator of relationship. God is always the initiator of a relationship with you and with me. God is always looking for someone that he can show his loving kindness to. That's who our God is. And that's what he does. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me. Jesus talking here. He said, you did not choose me, but you know what? I chose you. I'm initiating the relationship. I'm looking for you. I want to find you. I want to help you. I want to show you love. I want to show you kindness. I want to show you goodness. I want to show you grace. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 says, We can only love because he loved us first. 
He found us and loved us. And the only way that we can respond to someone else in love is because of God's love for us. He loved you enough that he created you. (laughs) It wasn't an accident. It was on purpose for a purpose. He initiated the relationship. It didn't matter how bad we were. It didn't matter how crippled by sin that we are. He initiates a relationship with us. David didn't hesitate when Ziba informed him that Mephibosheth was crippled. And and here's what's so interesting about this, because here's the deal. In the Old Testament, someone like Mephibosheth, someone who was crippled or or, or lame or, or whatever, they would be shamed. Right? They they were looked at as if you are this way because you did something wrong. Uh, You you either did something wrong or your parents had done something wrong. And so they would be shamed. They would be outcast. But David reflects the heart of God and he summons him just as he is. Don't don't miss this. A a lot of people wait until they can get their act together before they respond to God. They they think, you know what, I've got to get myself cleaned up before I can go to God and and be in relationship with Him. I've got to stop drinking before I can be in relationship with God. Boy, I've got to clean that language up. Y'all hearing me? Some of y'all need to clean that language up, right? But you're thinking, I've got to clean my language up before I go to God, right? And we're we're thinking that we've got to prepare ourselves in order to be in relationship with God. Well, I think Matthew chapter 9 and verse 12 teaches us about the heart of God when Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. The sick need a Savior. The crippled, the outcast. If only people would understand that God calls us into relationship with Him right where we are. Just as we are. Oh, we used to sing the song every Sunday, and sometimes we'd sing all four stanzas, and sometimes we'd sing all four stanzas and then sing them all again, just as I am, right? Everybody knows the words, just as I am. That's how he came to me, just as I am. That's how he comes to you. And then he helps us to get our act together. He helps us to clean up our mess by showing us loving kindness. Now look at verse 4 and 5. The king asked, where is he? Ziba answered, he's at the house of Maker, son of Emil in Lodabar. And Lodabar is a place about like it sounds. It's loaded a bar, okay? It's, it's ghetto, all right? Let's just say ghetto. And I can call it ghetto because I was raised in the ghetto. My mom hates it when I say that. She says, we weren't. I said, have you been over there lately? You're going to get shot. Load a bar, all right? Load a bar is where he lived. So King David had him brought from load a bar from the house of Maker, son of Emil. Verse 6, when Mephibosheth, <laughs> there we go. 
when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. Can you imagine what Mephibosheth might have been thinking when David's servants knocked at the door? And I'll tell you here just a little history. The custom of the time was that when a new king took over his reign on the throne, um, the last king's family would be, let's say, eliminated. They would be taken out. They, they would be killed. Because they didn't want any threat of the old regime rising up to try to take over again. And so the servants and the relatives of the king would be killed. And so we can only imagine what Mephibosheth is thinking when he sees David's servants at the door and they say, the king wants to see you. And Mephibosheth is thinking back to all the things that his grandpa had done to try to kill David. So David's servants, they load him up. They take him to the king's palace in Jerusalem to meet the king. Don't miss this. With his crippled legs, he's brought before the king and he bows down before him. Can you imagine the difficulty that a man would have with crippled legs getting down on his knees, pressing his forehead to the floor as was custom, and then rise up? Verse 8 says, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should even notice someone like me? What it, what, why would you notice, he says, a dead dog like me? And when I read that, church, you know what I think? That's me. That, that's me. Ha, have you ever felt like Mephibosheth before the king? I have. Right? You're, you're humbled. Everyone who has ever accepted Christ as their Savior has crawled before Him, crippled in their sin, overcome by our unworthiness to even be in the presence of the King. What a gut-wrenching experience this must have been for Mephibosheth. A frightened, crippled man is being ushered to the throne room of the king. And when he gets there, Mephibosheth throws down his crutches and he falls before the king. And David asks, are you Mephibosheth? Yes, sir, he replies. The king knew him by name. Just as Jesus knows you by name. And David's next words are the exact words that God repeats to us over and over and over again. All throughout scripture. Verse 7. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And not only that, but I'm going to restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandpa, Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Oh, the king says, don't, don't be afraid of this. Don't, don't be afraid of me. I, I, I want you to know my heart. I want you to understand my heart. And it's good. And it's tender. I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear my heart today. Don't, don't be afraid to know me. Don't, don't be afraid to, to, to be in my presence. Don't, don't be afraid to be in a, a relationship with me. Don't be afraid to accept me. Don't be afraid. I'm going to show you kindness. How very Christ-like is David in this moment. Are, are y'all making this connection today? Us and the king, David and Mephibosheth. This shows us the final and, and last thing today. A person that truly has the heart of God. A person after God's own heart. Listen. They want more people to be in the family. They want more sons and daughters to come to the table. Mephibosheth came stooped, crippled, as a lowly outcast before the king. But the king came to make him his son. <laughs> he was family. He was being invited to sit at the king's table to enjoy the rest of his life as one of David's royal sons. Friends, this is amazing, is it not? Friends, this is grace. <laughs> this is grace. M Mephibosheth here received a gift like he'd never known before. And, and David, out of his love for his friend Jonathan, demonstrates grace to us through this handicapped man named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, he, he didn't deserve this. He, he didn't earn this. He didn't have a right to this. And he can never in his life repay it. See... What great love the Father has lavished on us. <laughs> Do you see? This great love the Father has lavished on us. That we, that I would be called a child of God. That we should be called the children of God. <laughs> and that's what we are. You see the similarities, similarities this morning between this story 
and your story? It's just like God. Out of His great love for me. Crippled in my sin. He loved me so that He sent His own Son to die in my place. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I had no right to it. And I can never in my life repay it. And you know what? God is still looking for people today who are worthy of that kind of love. That he can show his loving kindness to. Those who are spiritually disabled. Those who are broken. Those who are fearful. Those who are confused. Those who are afraid. Mephibosheth was hiding. And he had nothing. Deserved nothing. And had nothing to pay back. We deserved nothing. We have nothing. And we can never repay the debt that we owe to God. God demonstrated His love and forgiveness for me. Friends, that's grace. And yes, it's truly amazing. He says to each of us today, and I want you to hear this. You're mine. I'm approaching you today because I want to show you my love and my kindness. He's initiating a relationship. And he said, you know what? I'm coming to you today and I'm going to take you just like you are. That's all I need. That's all I want. I'll I'll take you crippled. I'll take you lame. I'll take you broken. I'll take you scared. I'll, I'll take you just as you are. Handicaps, crutches, and all. And like David adopted Mephibosheth into his family, God wants to adopt us into his family. And he extends the invitation to every single one of us today that he created. Son, daughter, come sit at my table. Come sit at my table. Come enjoy my food. Come enjoy my company. You are my son. You are my daughter. Friends, there's nothing in this world like grace. And I've experienced it in so many different levels that it blows my mind. And my prayer is that my heart would be like God's. 
that my heart would be like David's in this moment. And that I would look for ways to show people kindness. I, I look for ways to make new relationships. Just to be able to show people not thrasher kindness, but God's kindness. The kind of kindness that he's shown to me, he's called us to show to our fellow man, to one another. My prayer is that I would have a heart like his. But my prayer is also that the church would have a heart like his. To show loving kindness. To build relationships. Friends, everything that we do here in this church is about building relationships. Every, everything that we've asked somebody to volunteer for, it's about building relationships. It's about meeting people where they are when they walk through the door. It's about meeting people where they are, wherever you may be out in the community this week. Meeting them and showing them kindness and initiating relationships. So that why? So that more people might come into the family of God. So that more people might be called sons and daughters of the King. That's what this is about. That's what we're about. It's what I want to be about. I, I don't know how to even close this morning. I, other than to say this, if there's anyone here today that has not accepted this invitation that God has extended to you, you're not, you're not here by accident today because once again, he was like, I, he brought you here so that you would know he's reaching out to you. You may come crippled, you may come broken, you may come with a horrendous past. But he's coming to you today and he says, I, I, I'm coming to ask you to be in relationship with me. And I'm going to take you today just like you are. You don't worry about it. Because when you become my son or daughter, you start living at my table. And you start living in my presence and living with my family. You, you're going to kind of start looking like us. You're going to kind of start talking like us and you're going to start being kind to other people. I don't know what he's saying to anybody here today, but I, I know that he's at work. And, and, and I would be wrong not to say if you've never accepted Jesus, why not? Why, why wait? Why play around with God? Why wait for a better moment or a better situation? Accept Him. Just accept the invitation and see what He will do in your life. Would you just do that? I don't know any other way to ask. I don't know any other way to beg. Today you've seen grace. This is what it is. This is who we are. This is what it's about. This is what God wants for your life, your family, and for this world today. Don't just be hearers of the word. 
but be doers. And this morning we're going to close with a time of prayer. And I want to invite you to come today. Um, maybe in response to the message. Maybe to pray about a situation. I'm going to get over here in just a minute and I'm going to pray with Lee. And I want David to come. I know he's working security out there in the, in the lobby and maybe in the children's department. But David, if you can hear me, I'd love for you to come and join Lee here at the altar. They've asked for special prayer. She's having surgery on Tuesday. And we're going to anoint her with oil. <clears throat> and some of you may go, what in the world? But God's Word tells us in the book of James, chapter 4, chapter 5 and verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So that's what we're going to do today. David, I want you to find your way in here. Would y'all make way for David to come beside Lee here? God, we come before you today humbled by your grace. And today we, uh, we come to you not only as our Savior, but we come to you today as our protector, our comforter, and our healer. And we have so many in our church right now that are battling cancer and other illnesses. And God, we just continue to bring them before you. Pray for Randy. Pray for Karen. Pray for Sue Army and Sue Sturdivant. God, this family comes before you today and I know their faith is in you. I know their hope is in you, and I thank you for this family, David, Lee, Matt and Heather, and Kyle and Heather. God, this family is a picture of servants. They have always been willing to do whatever needs to be done. They're quick to extend kindness and love to others they've built numerous relationships in your name for your good and for your glory God 
today as they come, I know their hearts are heavy. I know there's a lot going on in their family. But Lee is going to be facing surgery on Tuesday. And I know she's got a piece about that. God, we thank you for doctors and medical people that you use for your, to do your work. God, today as Lee comes, she knows she's got cancer in her body right now. She comes in faith today. and God, today, I anoint her as your word says. We gather around her and we pray for absolute healing and restoration in her life. God, whether you use doctors or, or, or medicine or whatever it may be, God, we know that you can go beyond and do what those things can't do. So, God, we pray for healing. We pray for help. We pray for, for peace and comfort for this family today, God. Today, God, I pray for David. As he comes, God... I just want to anoint him with oil. Thank you for him. And lift him to the throne. God, we pray that you would heal. you would strengthen most importantly God we pray that you'd be glorified in this family God we pray for the others in our church and my mind is just blank but you know every need and every situation right now Pray for us as a church that we would be the kind of church that would glorify you and honor you as we take care of our own, walk with our own through sickness and through valleys. Help us just to be who you want us to be and who you've called us to be. Thank you for your love. And I pray that you would help us to love others like you have loved us. God, I pray for those in our church today who are hurting and their hearts are broken. God, help them. Thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray that we would walk with eyes wide open looking for what you're doing and what you're going to do. We have expectation that we're going to see your loving kindness. It's in the powerful name of Jesus, your Son and my Savior. That I pray, that we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen.
Would you stand with me this morning as we dismiss with our benediction? Would you read it with me before we go? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day. Amen. I love you. God bless you.